This week, I'm so excited to have Debbie Tannenbaum on the podcast. Debbie works as an elementary school technology specialist in Fairfax County, Virginia. She's got a lot of experience, but she's also an author, speaker, blogger, and also technology consultant. She's got a new book out called Transform, Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. And she's also a Teach Better ambassador, blogger, and she's a part of the administrative mastermind. I'm so excited to talk with her about coaching techniques, how to make professional development more engaging, and how to amplify student learning and empower student voice. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Debbie, thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week, and it is finally here. So before we begin on a lot of awesome topics about technology and instruction, I would love to hear about your educational and leadership journey. Well, it's funny because I didn't start thinking I was going to have an educational leadership journey at all. I think as long as I can remember, I just wanted to be a teacher. And somehow in the last couple of years, things have just kind of changed as I started to get more and more involved in social media, um, I found that I had a whole new world. And so it's really kind of interesting because I was a classroom teacher for, what, 17 years and then became a technology coach at an elementary school. And through that experience, just got way more connected, met everybody on the Teach Better team, which has totally changed my life. Because of that, I started blogging. And because of the blogging, it's just led to all these other things. So it's funny because I wouldn't have considered myself a leader, but yet the things I do are leadership things. And so it's been a really interesting process to go through because a lot of us don't realize that we're leading even though we are. And I love that example that you're providing, which is that everyone's a leader, right? And on your campus Mm -hmm. in some way. So what were some of the things that you noticed you were doing that you realize, okay, I am making an impact beyond just my teaching position or just my tech position? Well, I think a lot of it is in the tech coaching role, I do a lot of co-teaching with teachers. So I'm showing them new ways of doing things. And so as I show them a new way of, you know, approaching something, I'm actually not just affecting them, but I'm affecting their students and then their students to come. And like, that's kind of like, it's amazing to me that, you know, I get this gift that I get to share And, you know, I say to teachers, what are you teaching? We start with those learning objectives, and then I get to help them find another way to engage their students and really amplify the learning. It's just been so awesome to watch. And in the past, what, two years, we've gone from teachers being scared to try everything to teachers really being receptive to try almost anything, which is amazing. And just watching as teachers don't have that fear anymore. And it's been so much fun to take them to those next steps and watch them thrive. I do a lot of, you know, modeling risk-taking with my teachers and my students. And so they see me doing those things. And so then they know that if I'm doing it, then I expect them to do it as well. So I want to talk about when you first became a coach and you started working with teachers. And I want to hone in on that word you use, fear, right? So a lot of times folks are afraid of things that they've never experienced before. And a lot of times there's technology resources that folks have just never, ever experienced. So when you were starting with teachers to try and get them to integrate technology into their instruction, what were some strategies that worked beyond just the modeling like you were talking about? Well, I think a lot of it is making sure they really saw a purpose in it. 
I don't believe in introducing tools just to introduce tools. Things have to be really purposeful. And so when I would work with teachers and say to them, and they would see that direct impact, it would make a difference. It would also make a difference in some of my classrooms. I got a chance to work with students. I was part of their special schedule. And so I would work with the students, get the students on board, and then the students would go to the teacher, hey, we want to do this. And so kind of going through that, you know, a roundabout way. Um, and so that's another really effective thing I've noticed is that our students are so receptive to try almost anything. And so then they would go, that's what it was like in my um, first year with Flipgrid. I did a lot with my students with that. I really wanted to promote student voice. And before I knew it, teachers were like, my kids are talking about this Flipgrid thing. How can I use this with my students? So I want to talk about professional development because I know folks typically think of like a staff meeting and having to sit there and the sit and get that we're all used to in a, in a meeting like yeah. It's not very exciting. So I want to know when you were talking about, you know, technology in the instruction and Flipgrid and all these awesome things that can be implemented into the classroom, what were some ways that you changed or redesigned your professional development? Well, in my first year, I did a lot of things where I would pair things with food. So that was back in like 2018. That was before pre-pandemic when people could sit and eat with each other. Um, and so like we did a tweet and eat and we introduced Twitter and I made did Flipgrid and Flapjacks and I made pancakes for breakfast while we had our training. Um, so I tried to do a lot of things like that initially. I was new to my school. The person who had been there before me had been there forever. And so I was trying to, you know, you know, every, everything had a little catchy theme to it because I wanted to try to do that. Um, at my second school, that culture was a little different. Um because I've been in two different schools as a tech coach. And, you know, food wasn't part of the culture for those meetings necessarily. Um, and so I found a lot more success going into classrooms, going into our CLTs and, you know, talk, seeing what they were learning and doing that type of integration more than I found. Okay, people, people didn't want to go to another training. It just depends. I think different schools have different, you know, ways of doing things. And, when we did Twitter, it was the first one we did. It caught on really quickly at my first school. It changed the culture of my school. Suddenly, teachers were following each other just to find out what they were doing. And we were a pretty small school, but it was really cool to watch. Yeah, it's it's interesting how different campuses have different cultures. And you know, mm -hmm. for myself, I've been on four different campuses, and every single one has been vastly different. So it's, it's fun to see the differences in your campuses. And the one thing, though, I, I feel like is intertwined in all of mine is the fear of failure Yeah, and going out on a limb and trying new things. So I'm wondering, you know, if you've experienced that also as a tech coach and how have you promoted creativity and trying to push through that fear of failure? Well, I think that I let that hold me up way too long. And it's interesting because in 2019, I went to ISTE and I hadn't done anything like that in forever. Like I have four kids didn't really go anywhere without them. And I just went and I decided I, this was going to be a great experience and I was going to try everything. And I just didn't let my fear get in the way when I was there. And I came back a different person. And since I came back, you know, I was blogging more. I, you know, I started working on my book, which I know we'll talk about later, but I started presenting more. I started doing things that I was afraid to do and kind of embracing that whole idea. It's funny because like, I'm going to FETC this week and I'm kind of terrified about that, but I'm kind of excited too, because, you know, you and I both know Lindsay Titus, that means we're just leveling up. So I've kind of begun to look at fear in a different way. 
I know, obviously, personally, you've been pushing through and, and embracing, you know, all those different challenges. What about your staff? Like, what is it that you're doing with them to help them understand that it's okay to try new things? I think the pandemic in and of itself did a lot of that. One of the things I noticed, and this is my third year at this school, is that my first year, people were definitely afraid to try things. At the end of my first year, the pandemic happened there. Well, all of a sudden, nobody knew what to do. We were all have we were all struggling. Yeah. We would try one thing, and it wouldn't work out so good. And it it was a really big learning process. And it was the first time I've seen teachers say to students, "I'm learning too." And I think that that's so important. And I've now noticed as we were back in the buildings that student teachers aren't afraid to ask students for help anymore. And I think that's just so wonderful. They're like, "I thought about emailing you, but I know I have a student who can figure this out too." Students should be able to see their teachers learning too. It shouldn't just be the teacher knows everything. And, you know, many times a kid will ask me something. I, I've recently been learning, learning how to use Canva. I have kids showing me stuff on Canva that I didn't know. And I think that's great. They need to see that. Yeah, it's so true. And I want to go back to what you were talking about with student voice and allowing them to be able to have a say in the classroom and into in the technology that's used in the classroom. I also want to talk about amplifying student thinking too. What are some things that you're doing to amplify not only student voice, but student thinking? When I went to the county that I'm in right now, um, my principal was amazing. She introduced me to Twitter, but she also introduced me to Project Zero's thinking routines. And so that's been something that's been a huge in influence on me. Um, I really do believe in them. I think that they help promote those messages that all students' voices matter and that we need to give them opportunities to share their voices. And sometimes our students don't know how to articulate what they're thinking. And so I've done a lot of work, not just with thinking routines, but also showing students how technology can help them use those thinking routines. So it's something that I feel really strongly about. And the kids are used to it now. They know that like, I'm going to get your thinking out and we're going to use a tech tool to do it. Um, and they're, and I love the fact that now there's with the tech tools that we're using, it doesn't have to just be one way. It's not just what you write. It could be what you draw. It could be audio. It could be video. You know, there's so many options. And so I've really been trying to push that. It's a big push also in our district because we want to try to promote rigor and critical thinking skills. So all of those things build in with each other. And so as I'm working with the students, I can't tell what you're thinking, but we're going to go through the step by step and figure it out. And it's been wonderful to see it. It's not just wonderful for students. I also love using them with adults as well. When I do my professional development or my or I do conferences, I always intersperse them in because as adults, we don't take enough time to process what we're thinking and really make sense of it. We're always on the go and we need to do that too. You know, I was talking with someone the other day about the reflection process and we both decided that we just haven't spent too much time in that space and for you to have a, a place for them to flush ideas and, and reflect a little bit. That's, that's amazing. And it helps me too. Cause then I can see, you know, where they're at. I mean, I love watching that happen and taking that time because so many times I'll be at some, I'll be at a session or I'll be doing something and they'll just keep going and going. And my brain needs that time to stop and figure things out too. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. 
I want to talk about another student initiative because me and you were talking before I pushed record, but you're working with icon literacy. So for those who don't know that term, what is it that you're doing with the students? So when I started becoming a tech coach, I got to work with kids K to six and I had never worked with little kindergartners before. And I would start working with them and trying to teach them how to use the computers. And one would raise their hand and another one would raise their hand and it became a giant game of whack-a-mole. It was crazy. (laughs) And it was exhausting. I had two back-to-back kindergarten classes and I was listening to a podcast, the 10 minute teacher podcast. And I heard Vicki Davis interviewing this woman, her name's Pana Asafatana. And she was talking about having similar struggles with her students with iPads being thrown in her face. So I reached out to her on Twitter saying, I really loved what you shared. She sent me her BLC talk and I watched the entire thing several times. And I was like, I'm going to try this. What do I have to lose? And so what she talks about is just like we have to teach students, you know, letters so that they can read words and understand reading. We have to teach students to understand icons. We a lot of times assume that they're digital natives and they understand how to do these things, but they really don't. And so she talked about how she put them in a morning message. And I started doing that with my students. And before I knew it, I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of like a language. And so I, I had this whole wall in my classroom with all the icons up, all the, you know, A to Z. And even my older kids were getting a lot out of it. And so since that time, I've been using this a lot in my teaching. I, I not only use it in my objectives with my students, but I create algorithms where I'm showing them, you do this first and that first. And then most recently, I've started creating what I'm calling an EDU Rubicon, where I'm combining a rubric with those icons so that the kids can see here are the icons that I need to use and understanding them, but also see the expectations doing my ISTE certification journey. And I realized as a teacher, I was really good at rubrics, but as a tech coach, I've kind of forgotten about them. So I'm trying to find that balance. Debbie, you talked about a little bit. You have a book. Yes, I do. <laughs> so for my listeners, if they haven't had a chance to read it yet, I want a, a quick synopsis from you. And I want to know why my listeners should read it. The reason I think your listeners should read it is because everyone has a journey. Yeah. Um, and this is my journey. It talks about how when I first started teaching, things were not that great. I'll be perfectly honest. I had a rough start. Um, and it talks about my ups and downs when I taught behind closed doors and nobody helped each other out when I first started teaching. And then it kind of talks about how I discovered technology and technology really changed my world teaching. I got my master's back in 2002, which seems forever ago. And I used technology with my students from that point until 2017 when I joined Twitter. But it wasn't until I really joined Twitter that things really started to change. And so the book talks about things like how we should view using technology and education, redefining it. It talks about things like, you know, amplifying student thinking with those thinking routines and how important it is to amplify our students' learning. It talks about nurturing agents and empowering agency. And then the book kind of takes a turn just like my life did and talks about finding your PLN and, you know, finding connections outside of your school and then sharing your voice. And it shares a lot of my stories in there. Some of it's from my blog. Um, some of it was came just as I was working on writing this. And then it talks about reaching beyond your expectation and it ends up kind of talking about some ways that we can maximize learning. So I kind of describe it as being a framework that I went through and I'm hoping that it will help other teachers. Far too often, like we we talked about earlier, we let fear get in the way. And one of the things that I really like is that 
within the stories, I'm really, I'm, I'm very vulnerable. I'm very open. I want people to know that things aren't going to always be easy, but if you keep going, you'll be surprised what happens. And, you know, even more, you know, you'll be surprised what happens when you stop doing it alone. Um, So I'm hoping this is, it's going to have an impact. I've gotten good feedback from people who've read it so far. And honestly, I'm just really thrilled that I was able to get this project done. As you know, writing a book is a labor of love. (laughs) Very much so. So the title, Transform Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky, published by Road to Awesome. We'll definitely have the link in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Definitely check it out. Debbie, you're a very busy person. So you're speaking at conferences. And I also know you got something going on at George Mason University. So what is that project all about? So it's a pilot for um, computer science for all. So they're piloting some new curriculum based on the Virginia computer science standards. And so um, I saw the opportunity and I love to learn. So um, my fifth grade students that I work with every week are working on this with me and we're getting to explore some new computer science resources because you know it is part of our curriculum and it's not really something that is totally fleshed out yet. So it's kind of neat for the kids and I to get that chance to be like on the ground floor and try some, you know, try some new things. And there are times where they'll be like, this is too easy for us. And I'll be like, well, that's okay. That's good feedback. And they had to, you know, fill out forms so they can give feedback. So it's a really authentic experience that they're getting to participate in. And it's really been nice to watch them do it. And I love the link that they've linked they have between computer science and literacy, because I feel like that's a really great link for our students to have. And I can't wait to see what they continue to work. We've only done two lessons so far, but we've really been enjoying them so far. We're going to pause for just a second as I ask you, the listener, have you ever wondered if you could be a leader in your school or in your district? My book, Aspire to Lead, is available now as I share a practical guide for aspiring leaders to enhance your leadership capacity. As we all know, leadership is extremely difficult, and getting that experience needed to advance can be a huge challenge. In this book, you'll find the Aspire model, which is infused with stories of past failures and successes to guide with actionable steps to enhance your skills. In addition, you'll find fantastic resources and contributions from 11 influential leaders. You can find Aspire Lead on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. If you have a chance to read the book, please take a moment to leave a review on any of the online platforms that you made your purchase. Now, let's get back to the interview. So you've got three books that you're going to be a part of. So if someone's read your book already and they want more of what Debbie's writing, where can they look? So Rochelle Dene Post book, I wrote a small excerpt for that that came out in December. Things that I wish parents knew and um, really trying to focus on, you know, a lot of times parents don't really understand what a teacher's life is like. Some of us are lucky enough that we're in both seats, um, but really making sure that parents do understand. And I think that's more important now than ever. The world is a little bit tough right now. And, you know, it's very hard to see and sometimes see somebody else's shoes. My husband jokes all the time that if he wasn't married to a teacher, he would have no idea how much a teacher works. So, (laughs) so that's, that's one. And then the book I'm working on is called Amplify Global EDU or Amp Global EDU. And originally it was supposed to be one book. And there were supposed to be, I think, like 10 authors from around the world. The chapter that um, I worked on was on engagement. And it's funny because I was, I worked on it and I loved it and I sent them a message and I'm like, my chapter's like over 30 pages. Is that too long? What should I do? And they're like, it's okay. 
it's all good. So it turned out that now it's going to be four books and um, I'm chapter one of book one. So that's kind of exciting. It's coming out in June. Um, I got a chance to really look at engagement in a way that I really hadn't had a chance to before. Also then integrate it with some of the things that I feel really passionate about with technology, such as, you know, choice boards and making sure we empower the student voice and, and thinking routines. And then, you know, then also partnering it with some things with Castle. So it was a really great thing for me to kind of put a lot of different things together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's number two. And then I have a chapter for the third book of Rick Jetter's series, A Hundred Things Parents Should Stop Doing. I have a section on that talking all about self-care and making sure that parents don't forget about taking care of themselves. Lots of fun, cool stuff going on. And actually, I have another one that I'm going to be doing a section for Edgesnap for the end of the year. So last project we're going to talk about, because you are a busy person. You're also You've got your own tech consulting and coaching. Mm -hmm. So what is that and what services are you providing? So that's in its infancy. It it began in May. Um, So I've gotten a chance to do a couple of things where I've been able to do some paid work where I'm doing coaching and, you know, and some speaking. Um, So that's been really fun. It's nice to get a chance to work outside of my district. So I do you know, if teachers are interested, I do tech coaching one-on-one. I've also done, you know, where people have brought me in and I've done some of the sessions I've done more as a workshop style. That's also been really fun. And so it's still something that's kind of building. I'm hoping to have classes down the line, um, but I'm one of those people who gets excited and I have 10,000 things going on. So I've kind of decided until I finish getting my ISTE certification, I have to kind of take a, a step back and focus on one thing at a time. Um, so I'm kind of going to just continue working on the things that I've been doing and see how my business naturally kind of flows and develops from there, because that's something I never expected either. I always love asking this question. It's for anyone who's listening that wants to amplify their leadership skills. What is something they can do tomorrow or next week to help them, like you said, level up? I think don't do it alone. I mean, if I have to pick one thing that changed everything for me, you can't do this alone. Education is too hard to be isolated in silos, especially for people like you or I who were like onlys or one or two in a building or even, and even teachers too. Joining things like the Teach Better Admin Mastermind and becoming an ambassador and blogging and things like that helped me become part of a larger community. And I really think that it helps you grow in ways that you could never imagine. And so don't be afraid to reach out and be vulnerable and, and, and connect with others online because at least in my experience, it's been life-changing. For those who want to connect with you, Debbie, on social media, how can they do that? So I'm a Tannenbaum Tech pretty much everywhere. Um, mostly, I spend most of my time on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm still learning that. Um, LinkedIn. I have a Tannenbaum Tech Facebook group where we all kind of work together to support technology integration. My blog is um, tannenbaumtech.com. So everything's pretty consistent. So that makes it pretty easy to find me. Yes. Make sure you're checking out all of Debbie's social media outlets and then make sure that you're picking up her book. Debbie, it's always phenomenal to talk with you and I just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our talk.